Chapter 3. The Power of the Cross Christ, who through the Eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God. Hebrews 9.14 Once we fully commit our lives to Jesus to live completely for Him, we need to understand the new dimension of life in Christ, the power of the cross. The cross of Christ is the highest expression of the Spirit of Christ. The obedience and self-denial that Christ demonstrated when he endured the cross are his chief characteristics. They are what distinguish him from everyone in heaven and earth and what give him his glory as mediator on the throne throughout eternity. Until we truly know the Spirit who led Christ to the cross, we neither truly know Christ nor the cross. Moreover, once we have come to know the nature of the Spirit who led Christ to the cross, we will see that this knowledge is only one aspect of the great subject of the Spirit of the Cross. We will see how the Holy Spirit of Pentecost and the Spirit of the Cross are one and the same. The Holy Spirit led Christ to the Cross, and He also flows forth from the Cross to us as its purchase, and to whom its power is given. We will then further find that as the Spirit led Christ to the Cross, and the Cross led to the giving of the Spirit, so the Spirit will always lead back to the cross again, because He alone can reveal its meaning and communicate its fellowship. In other words, the Spirit led Christ to the cross, and the cross leads Christ and us to the outpouring of the Spirit, and the Spirit leads us back to the cross. The Cross, Our Life The Scriptures do not teach us that when Christ bore the cross and fulfilled the atonement, the meaning of the cross was exhausted. They do not indicate that when we trust in the finished work of the cross, our only relationship to it is one of grateful confidence in what it has accomplished for us. No, the Word of God tells us that in the most intimate spiritual fellowship, the way of the cross is to be our life. We are to live as if we have been crucified with Christ, which we have been. We are to walk as those who have crucified the flesh and who can conquer it in no other way but by continually regarding it as crucified. We are to take up our cross day by day and to glory in it. Every moment of our lives, our relationship to the world is to be that of those who are crucified to it and who know and believe that the world is crucified to them. Therefore, if the nature of the cross is to produce and characterize the only true Christian life, and if we are to have the same attitude toward the cross that Jesus had, we need to know what it was that made the Spirit of the Cross the only power by which Christ could gain life for us, or by which we can possess and enjoy life in Him. In the first place, the path in which Jesus Christ walked did not derive its value from the amount of suffering it required, or from His continual surrender to death, but from the mindset that motivated Him. That mindset was not something strange or different that came to Him in His last hour, it was what motivated and inspired him throughout the whole course of his earthly life. And it is only as this perspective becomes the animating principle of the life of the believer that the thought of being crucified with Christ, Galatians 2.20, can have anything like true meaning. How did our Lord have this mind, Philippians 2.5, that was in him and the power to carry it out at any cost? We have the answer in our text for this chapter who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. It was this eternal spirit who was in Christ from his birth 
who taught him to say words that contained the seed of his obedience and self-denial on the cross. I must be about my father's business. Luke 2.49 It was this spirit who led Christ to humble himself and to be treated as a sinner by being baptized in the Jordan River by John. Matthew 3.13-15 It was this spirit who descended on Jesus like a dove to prepare Christ for the death for which he was set apart. Verses 16-17 It was this Spirit who led our Lord into the wilderness to resist and overcome and begin the struggle that ended on Calvary, Matthew 4, 1. It was through this Spirit that he was led, step by step, to speak of and to face and to bear all he had to suffer. Through the prophets, the Spirit of Christ testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ, 1 Peter 1, 11. In the same way, it was through the Eternal Spirit that all was fulfilled and accomplished. The Spirit of God, dwelling in flesh, leads inevitably and triumphantly to the cross. The cross is the perfect expression of the mind of the Spirit, of what He asks and works. When God took possession of human nature to free it from sin and fill it with Himself, the only way He could do it was by slaying it. In the whole universe there is no possibility of freedom from the power of sin except by personal separation from it through entire death to it. What God demands, the Spirit works. He worked His will in the man Christ Jesus, the spotless, holy one, who, because of His union with us and because He was our forerunner in the path of life, needed to die to sin. He works His will now as the Spirit of Christ who dwells in each believer. The Crucifixion Spirit Let us who desire to be filled with the Spirit consider the nature of the Spirit of the Cross. The Spirit leads us to a death that is characterized by the cross. Since he had nothing higher than this to accomplish for us in Christ before he raised Jesus from the dead, he also has no higher work he can do for us than to lead us into the perfect fellowship of the cross. Pray to know what this means. Have you truly yielded to the Spirit so that he may lead you as he led Christ in the path of the cross? Are you seeking the fullness of the Spirit in total agreement with His one purpose to manifest in you the obedience and self-denial of Christ? For you, as it was for Jesus, the path of the cross is the sure, the only path to glory. Deny yourself and take up your cross. There is a deep and intimate connection between taking one's cross and following Christ. An additional aspect of cross-bearing may be drawn from the words of Christ. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. Luke 9.23-24 A believer must deny himself before he can take up his cross and follow Christ. The deepest root of cross-bearing and following Christ is exposed in this passage of Scripture. Even while the Christian is striving earnestly to follow Christ and in some measure to take up his cross, there is a secret power that resists and opposes and prevents him. The very person who is praying and vowing and struggling to follow fully what his desire and will and heart are apparently set on, in his inmost self refuses the cross to which his Lord has called him, self The real centre of his being, the controlling power, refuses to accept it. And so, Christ teaches us that we must begin with the total denial of self. The cross 
means surrender. Taking up one's cross means accepting and surrendering to death. Self, the real inner life of a person, must die. For us to attempt to take up our cross and follow Jesus will mean unceasing failure unless we start with Christ's words, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. Luke 9, 23-24 Christ calls me to love nothing more than I love him, to lose my life, to disallow what gives life its own value, to disclaim what I am in my own person, to deny myself. Why must I first carry my cross and then be crucified on it? And why if Jesus has already died for me on the cross and won life for me, must I still die, deny myself and take up my cross daily? Why the cross? The answer is simple and yet it is not easy to comprehend. The real spiritual answer will be revealed only to the person who consents to obey Jesus before he understands what it all means. Through the sin of Adam, the life of mankind fell from its high position. It had been a vessel in which God caused his power and blessedness to work. But man fell under the power of the world, in which the God of this world has his rule and dominion. Therefore, man has become a creature, who has a strange, unnatural worldly life. The will of God, heaven and holiness for which man was created have become darkened and lost to him. The pleasures of the flesh and of the world and of self, which are the dark, accursed workings of the evil one, have become natural and attractive. People do not see, they do not know how sinful, wretched and deadly they are, that they are alienated from God and that they bear within them the very seeds of hell. And this self, this inmost root of man's life, which he loves so much, is really the concentration of all that is not of God, but is of the evil one, exhibiting a great deal of what is naturally beautiful and seemingly good. The power of self and its pride corrupt everything. They are the very seat of sin, death and hell. Yet once a person has consented to a life of the entire denial of self, he will welcome and love the cross. He will recognize it as the appointed power of God for freeing him from the evil power that is the only thing hindering him from being fully conformed to the image of God's Son, from loving and serving the Father as Christ did. To deny self is a work of the inner spirit. Taking the cross is the manifestation of this work. Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Luke 9.23 when we receive insight into what the denial of self means, it becomes clear why the cross must be taken up daily. Taking up one's cross is not only called for during a time of special trial or suffering. During times of quiet and prosperity, the need is even more urgent. Self is the enemy that is always near and always seeking to regain its power. For example, when the Apostle Paul came down from the third heaven, see 2 Corinthians 12, 2-7, he was in danger of being prideful. Yet the danger of pride is always with us. Denying self and bearing the cross are to be everyday attitudes. When Paul said, I am crucified with Christ, Galatians 2.20, and God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world, Galatians 6.14, he spoke of himself as living the crucifixion life each moment of the day. There used to be a picture of a hand holding a cross with the motto, Teneo et Tenem, 
I hold and am held. Or to use a looser translation, I bear and am born. The words Jesus used before his death, take up your cross, Luke 9.23, reflect the first idea of the motto, I hold. Accept your cross and bear it. Paul's words in Galatians, which were inspired by the Holy Spirit after Christ had been glorified, crucified with Christ, 2.20, point more to the second part of the motto, believe that his cross, rather, that he, the crucified one, bears you. Before the work of the cross was actually finished, the idea was to take up one's cross. Now that the finished work has been revealed, that is, taken up and transformed into the higher idea of being crucified with Christ, the concept is that I both bear the cross and am born by Christ. I am crucified with Christ, and Christ liveth in me. Galatians 2.20 It is only in the power of being born by Christ that I can bear the cross. Focus on Christ What was first a condition that we had to fulfill if we were to follow Jesus became the blessed fruit of following him. When we hear the call, follow me, Matthew 4.19, we think chiefly of all it implies for us. It is necessary that we do so, but it is not the chief thing. As we think of denying ourselves and taking up our cross daily, we realize how little we know of what it all means and how little we are able to perform even what we do know. A trusted leader takes all the responsibility for the journey and makes every provision. We need to focus our hearts on Jesus, who calls us to take up our cross and to follow him. On Calvary, he opened the way for us and led us even to the throne of God's power. Yes, let us focus our hearts on him. As he led his disciples, he will lead us. The cross is a mystery. Taking up one's cross is a deep mystery. To be crucified with Christ, Galatians 2.20, is the deepest mystery of redemption. The hidden wisdom of God is a mystery. Let us follow Christ with a true desire to let him lead us. Let us live as fully as he did to the glory of the Father. And let us enter with Christ through death into the fullness of life.